Well, it's good to see you guys uh, today. As you probably know, we are participating in a... The government guys are gone now? Okay, I can say this. We are participating in a conspiracy this Advent. Uh, Conspiracy, it sounds kooky, right? Like, oh dear, we're going to be in trouble. But it's a good one. It's a good conspiracy this year. It's a conspiracy to push back against all the pressure that we get from our culture this Christmas season, all this... um, all this pressure, we're trying to swim upstream against uh, advertisers, against societal pressure, against family pressure, even against our own selfish hearts, trying to swim upstream against all this pressure that says, I want more, I should get more, Christmas is about more, more, more. Uh, I don't want to pick on Kmart, but I'm going uh, to, I saw their ads this week, and they're typical of the sort of ads that we see, so t- one of their taglines is, get in get more Christmas. So if you want Christmas, you've got to go to Kmart. You've got to get in, you've got to get more Christmas. That's how you get Christmas, is going to Kmart and getting more. Uh, in their toy department, the slogan is, pack more smiles under the tree. So how do you get smiles at Christmas time? It's obviously presents. So you've got to pack more smiles under the tree, so buy more presents, because that's how you get more smiles, because Christmas is about presents. And then their website blatantly says, more Christmas, more gifts. They were getting pretty, pretty obvious these days, uh, and we know this is not what Christmas is about. It's not about more, more, more. It's about Jesus. So we're in this conspiracy. We call it a conspiracy, um, an attempt to find a more simple, sustainable, worshipful way of doing Christmas. And, and the first two steps so far, the last two weeks, have been worship fully and spend less. So worship fully just means that we start with a conscious decision what are we valuing this Christmas? What is of ultimate value? Is it stuff, possessions? Is it family? Uh, is it just food? Is it the general buzz, the Christmas high? Or are we valuing God? What, what's of ultimate value? What are we pursuing most of all this Christmas? Uh, and we know that if we, we go after these other things, they promise so much, but they always leave us wanting more, but God, he's the one who satisfies, so we want to pursue him and worship him, consciously deciding Christmas this year is about worshiping Jesus. And and then the next step that we took is uh, spend less. So once we begin to worship, we've got to get practical, and the practical challenge last week was spend less. It's the challenge against the idea that if a little is good, then more is better and a lot is the best. Okay, we're challenging the idea that more gifts equals more Christmas, can actually spend less. Now, it's a, it's a simple lesson, right? We were just watching The Grinch last night. It's a family. That's the message of how The Grinch stole Christmas, right? That presents do not equal Christmas. The Grinch tried to steal the presents thinking he stole Christmas, but he didn't, right? The Who's kept on singing. It's a simple message. We, we get that, but it's harder to actually implement it. So I gave us a challenge last week, a, a, a challenge to make it real, move it from our head to our hearts, and the challenge was a couple of things. One was you could just give one less present this year. Make a stand. Instead of saying Christmas has to be better, which means we have to have more, say Christmas can be better and we can have less. Give one less present. Or to even go more radical and just tell people, don't get me anything. I don't need anything. I don't want anything. I'm fine. Okay? That's a little harder. And again, I said last week, maybe a little late this year. Some of you people actually do shopping before the 20th. It's crazy. Uh, but, uh, but maybe for, tuck, tuck that away, maybe for next year. So we're trying to spend less. 
Um, and then this week, you know, we need, a cha- we need the, the next step because if we just left it with last week, we'd all end up as these Scrooges, right? Um, we'd just be a bunch of tightwads hoarding our money. We'd be like, well, spend less, spend less. We'd be judging each other. How could you buy that on Christmas? You should be spending less. What are you doing? Uh, but that's not the point, right? The point of Christmas is to celebrate. We want real joy, we want real generosity, which brings us to today's emphasis, which is give more. And on the surface, you might think, well, that's a contradiction, right? Spend less, give more. How do I spend less and give more? Well, I think it's cleared up if we add a few clarifying words just to get the concept straight in our mind. When we say spend less, the real emphasis is spend less like the world, right? Spend less like the world. How does the world spend? Well, that's what, that's what Kmart teaches us. More gifts, more Christmas. Pack more spiles under the tree. The world spends more and more, saying the more we spend, the more we buy, the more, 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 the happier we are. And we say we want to spend less like that. We're not buying into that worldview. Instead of that, we want to give more. We want to give more like Jesus. And so we're going to look today at a passage of Scripture that helps us to see how does Jesus give. When Jesus gives, how does he give? As we look at that, it'll help us, I hope, to give more this Christmas, more like Jesus. The passage we're going to look at is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you're using the Black Pew Bibles, it's page 967. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you've got your Bibles, it'll be helpful to flip there. I'm going to read the first nine verses, but focus in on verse 9. Uh, This passage is from a letter that was written from the Apostle Paul to a church in Corinth. And that church was, they probably shopped at Kmart. They were very worldly. They were very wealthy. Uh, They were a little little messed up. And and so he's urging them and saying, uh, you guys really need to be generous. You guys really need to give. Um, There's these poor people in Jerusalem going through a famine. They're your brothers in Christ and they need help and you should give to them. And so in this passage he gives an example of another church in Macedonia who gave a lot and then he points to Jesus and says, look how Jesus gives. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. I want to focus in on that last verse today in verse 9, because this tells us how Jesus gives. When Jesus gives, this is how he does it. And that teaches us a lot about how we can and should give this Christmas. So I want to point out three things about how Jesus gives here that will instruct us on this giving more for Christmas. And the first is, uh, in the ways, how do we give more like Jesus? The first is give your presence. Okay, let me spell that for you. I'm being a little cute. 
not the gifts, like not presence, but presence, uh, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, right? Yourself, give your presence this Christmas. Uh, the world says that the best way to give uh, love, the best way to give uh, love this Christmas is to buy presents, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. See, this works in writing. It's not so good with oral communication, but you get me. Uh, the world says the best way is to buy tangible goods for one another. You know, buy toys, uh, buy that coffee maker, buy that sweater. That's how you show love. And since the best way to show love is to buy goods for someone, then the way to show more love is to buy more goods, right? But we're saying no to that, right? We're saying you don't have to show, buy a bunch of presents to show that you love someone. In fact, the very best present that you can give to someone to show that you love them is yourself, your presence. The very best present that we can give is ourself, engaged, physically, there, with another person. That's what Jesus did for us. Look at verse 9, just the very beginning. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Uh, Jesus is rich. You ever think about that? Jesus was rich. Um, I like rich people around Christmas time. Do you like that? I mean, I don't know if you, did you have the experience of like one set of grandparents that was richer than the other set of grandparents? And you knew that like the rich ones, they'd give you better presents? Um, I'm slipping back in world, I'm talking worldly here, you know, but just, just so you're with me. I mean, you knew like if you asked grandparent A for a Nintendo, there's like no way it's going to happen. But if you ask grandparent B for the Nintendo, they're going to get that and they're going to buy the power glove too. And they're going to give you all that, like they're going to just throw it on because they're the rich ones, right? You like the rich people because they give the better presents. They can give you more stuff. Well, Jesus is rich, okay? That's what it's saying here. Jesus is rich. How rich was Jesus? Jesus is so rich that he literally owns everything. Okay, you got to think about this. It's talking about Jesus, son of God, in heaven, before he became a human. He's, he's there. He's God. He literally owns everything. So let's think about the stuff that Jesus could get us for Christmas, uh, what do you want? Do you want an airplane for Christmas? Jesus could get you an airplane. Do you want a lifetime supply of Snickers for Christmas? Jesus could get you a lifetime supply of Snickers. Do you, do you, want, do you want a bowling alley in your house? He could totally do that, right? He could, he could buy that for you. Jesus could, he could get you a real castle with a moat, with alligators, and a working drawbridge for Christmas. He could do that. He could buy that for you. He's rich. He owns everything. Right? There is nothing that you can imagine that you could ask for that Jesus could not get you. He owns it all. He's that rich. He's so rich that he can get us anything. But what does he get us? What did Jesus give us for Christmas? He gave, him, gave us himself. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. What's that talking about? That's the Christmas story, Right? That's the Christmas story. Jesus became poor. He's rich. He's God. He's in heaven. He's got all the glory, all the honor, all the power. Uh, he's above all things. And he becomes a human. He becomes a baby. A poor baby. Literally poor. Born in a barn. Put in a feeding trough. Why did he do that? Well, it's in his name, right? We sang about it. Emmanuel. God with us. He did it to be with us. He could have bought us anything, but he gave us himself. When he wanted to show his love for us, he didn't give us extravagant presents. 
he gave us himself to be with us, to know us, to share in our experience. Now, do you think that that has an application for the way that we do Christmas? I, I think it does. As we seek to give more, it, it tells us that the most important thing that we can give, the most more that we can give, is to give more of ourselves. The world says, spend more to show that you really care, but Jesus models that the best display of love is simply being there. So at the simplest level, that means we need to spend more time being engaged with one another. We don't want to spend our whole Christmas season shopping for stuff, wrapping stuff, giving it to one another, opening the presents, and then going off to our corners to play with our stuff. Right? We, we, want to, we need to create time to be together. We, we should be playing games together or uh, taking a day off of work just to hang out with, with one another. We need presents. If we want to give more, we need to give more of ourselves. So that means time together. And it can also mean gifts that have more of a relational component, such as the gift that you're giving has more of you in it. So sure, you could, you could give a gift card to somebody, but make it like a gift card to a coffee shop where you say, uh, and when you use this, I want to go with you. And, and you're, you're spending time together. Or give a child a craft and then do it with them. Don't just give it to the kids and then make the parents do it with them. We don't like that. Give the things with all the glitter and the, and it's like, here, this will be fun. Yeah. You do it with them. Give the gift of your presence or give, give tickets to a show or a theater and go with somebody, right? The, the, the gifts have a relational component that you're, you're doing it with them or a gift that comes from your heart, even making something or writing a note, a thoughtful note that says, this is, I, I, I care about you, Christmas. This is what I like about you. Um, and I appreciate this. And it, a gift that's from you, that is a part of you, is more of a gift. That's how we give more. We give more of ourselves. Uh, and you can. I mean, not everybody's crafty. Not everybody's that creative that way. But, but even buying stuff for someone can be better if you're buying something because you've taken the time to know the person and to know what they like and to know what they appreciate. And you haven't just gone to them and said, what do you want for Christmas? You can go be your personal shopper. Okay, you give more of yourself. That's how we can give more, give more of our presence. See, Jesus was so rich, he could have bought us anything. But the best gift he gave us was himself, and we want to model that. We want to imitate that, giving ourselves to others at Christmas. But that sort of giving, of course, is very sacrificial. So that's the second thing we learn from Jesus. We must give sacrificially. Uh, giving ourselves, I mean, we don't do it as much, right, as the other kind of giving because it's harder. It takes sacrifice. It, it takes a lot more effort uh, than simply going to someone and saying, what do you want for Christmas? They give you a list. And then, I mean, come on, in the days of the Internet, this is so easy. Then you go to Amazon, you put it all in your cart, you make a couple clicks, and it's there in two days. Okay, that is not difficult. It might cost some money, but it's not that difficult. And honestly, more of us are, uh, we're more cash rich than time rich um, you know it, it's easier for us to just buy a $25 gift card or to just stick a 20 in an envelope and give it to a person than it is to create an afternoon appointment with that person and to go spend some time with them because time is our most valuable commodity so it's hard for us it takes a sacrifice for us to engage and to give in this sort of way uh, it, it's harder for us to, to make some time and we, we work we work so hard all day long, and then we don't want to spend our evenings working to make a gift for somebody. We'd rather just buy a gift card and give it to them and, and send them on their merry way. I, made, I gave my gift, see? I love you. 
So it's a sacrifice. But there's also the sacrifice of, of risking being misunderstood. Right? Like if you, if you don't uh, give the gift card, if you just like write somebody a note, so you put your heart into it, you put yourself into it, you, you're, you're thanking this person, you're, you're trying to express how much you care about them, you write the note, you give it to them, and you watch them open it and kind of surreptitiously look for the gift card. Like you forgot the money in there. Shake it out the envelope, yeah. Uh, you don't want that experience, right? Where it's like, well, no, this was the gift. But they might think you're being cheap or you're being lazy. You know, they might, you make a present for somebody. It's like, come on, I thought we stopped making presents for each other in grade school. Um, you might want to try to spend time with somebody and they don't want to spend time with you. See, it's, it's risky. There's sacrifice there. There's a cost. But look at Jesus. Did it cost him this gift that he gave? You bet it did. Verse 9 shows us the cost. He says, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Now, this, this same pattern is explained a little more in the book of Philippians. Philippians 2. Just read a little bit for you here. It just fleshes out. It's, it's almost exactly the same as what we see here. It says, Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. So just follow the journey. It flushes it out a little bit more. What does it mean that Jesus became poor? Well, he was God and he became a man. He was reigning over all things and became a human. But, and not like a king, right, but a servant. And not like a, a, a really cushy servant job. He didn't you know, live a long life as a servant, but no, he came and he died. And not a nice death on a comfortable bed surrounded by friends and family, but he died on a cross. Humiliated, naked, abandoned, painful, tortured death. This is the cost. This is what it means that he was rich and he became poor. It's the costliest gift ever. There's, there's nothing else that even compares to the cost of this gift. God himself giving everything for us. But because it's the costliest gift, it's also the greatest gift. Because in his death, he took our place, right? He, he was rich. We were poor. He was rich. He, he you know, yeah, had owned everything, uh, all the glory, all the power, but also all the righteousness, all the goodness. If you look on his ledger sheet, on his balance sheet of his life, you know, it's all righteousness, right? It's all good. It's all perfect. Our balance sheet, you know, look at that one, our ledger sheet, it's all uh, unrighteousness and sin and deserving of wrath. So we're poor. He's rich, but in his death, in his gift, he gave that riches to us. And he took our debts on him so that through his poverty, taking our sin on him, dying on the cross, he might give us the riches of righteousness and eternal life and fellowship with God. See, that's the gift of Jesus, that though he was rich, he became poor so that we, by his poverty, might become rich. And this gift, like all great gifts, is free. It's free to us, but it required sacrifice. And this is the thing that you don't understand when you're still a kid is that gifts are great when you're a kid because they're free. They don't cost anything to you. 
but they cost the one who gives the gift, right? As an adult, you understand, oh, <laughs> yeah, it, there's a cost to it. There's a cost to gift giving. The cost is on me. I've got to pay for the gift. And Jesus paid. He paid for this gift. But because it cost him everything, it made it the greatest present for us. We receive it. We become rich. We get reconciled to God. But for him, he gave up everything. And you see the pattern there. It's a tremendous sacrifice, but all great gifts require sacrifice. That's what I'm trying to say. All great gifts require sacrifice. So if we're going to give more this Christmas, if we're going to give more of ourselves, more of our presence, more meaningful experiences of generosity, then it's going to cost more. Not in the traditional sense of costing more money, but in the sense of costing more time, costing more effort, maybe costing us standing in the family because we're not playing the game the same way everybody else is. But it'll be worth it because the greatest gifts are the costly ones, the ones that require sacrifice. So speaking of the best gifts, then, I want to circle back one more time and look at what Jesus accomplished with his gift because this, this helps us with the third way that we can give more this Christmas. So we're going to give more of our presence, we're going to give sacrificially, but we also want to give to bring people to God. So let's get back in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. I want you to notice that there's a purpose in this verse. Did you see that? There's a, a so that or a, a that. It's a purpose. There's a reason Jesus did this. So in the first half he says, You know the grace that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that, so here's the purpose, why did Jesus give? So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. So Jesus gave. He gave for a purpose, and the purpose was to make us rich. Now, I'm sure bad preachers could take that in a really bad direction. What, what does it mean, Jesus died to make us rich? He, made us, he died to, to make us eternal, or, uh, earthly riches, that we could have lots of money, lots of possessions, more stuff, more Christmas? No. What are the riches that's being talked about here? Well, if you just flip back a few pages in 2 Corinthians, chapter 5 lays it right out for us. 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 17 Paul's talking about the same thing. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ has reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making God, uh, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Did you pick up a key word in there? Reconcile. Did you hear that a few times? Reconcile. This is what it's about. This is the gift of Christmas. Our poverty is that we have no relationship with God. The riches that Jesus gives us is a reconciled relationship with God. See, it's not simply that Jesus gets us forgiveness of our sins. Okay, that's, that's huge. We've got all the debts. He's got all the righteousness. That's verse 21 right there, uh, 2 Corinthians five twenty-one. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. There's this great transfer. That's wonderful. Forgiveness of sins is a blessing. But that's not the end of the gospel. That's not the whole thing. The forgiveness is the means to the end. It's the means to the restored relationship with God. Right? 
I don't know if you believe this, but I do things wrong at my house, right? I mess stuff up. And when I do that and, and Jen is angry with me because I've done something wrong, I want forgiveness, right? I want that, that affirmation that it's okay, I forgive you. But I don't just want forgiveness like, oh, she said I forgive you so everything's fine. I don't want forgiveness for the sake of a legal statement that I've been forgiven. I want her back, right? I want to be forgiven so that I'm reconciled, so that the relationship is there. And that's why forgiveness is given in the gospel, God forgives us not just to wipe our slate clean, but so that we can have a restored relationship with him. That's the riches. That's the gift of Christmas. Jesus offers us a restored relationship with God, the God who made us, the God who is life for our souls. Remember Isaiah 55 from last week? Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. We're all thirsty. We're all hungry. And God says, I will satisfy your souls. I will satisfy your souls. The gift that Jesus gave in Christmas was the gift of reconciling us to God. So what does that teach us about how we give more this Christmas? What it teaches us is that the best gift that we can give to someone is the gift of reconciliation with God. Right? If we love people, if we really love people, then the most loving thing that we can do for them is to share the greatest gift that Jesus gave, the gift of reconciliation with God. So, so yeah, we give gifts in Christmas, and that's an expression of love. I mean, the, the person you love wanted a drill for Christmas, you gave them a drill. That's love, right? You're loving them. You gave them a drill. But, oh, that it would not just be a drill, right? Like, what if there was a way for you to give the gift of the drill such that that gift is a bridge to the communication of the ultimate gift of reconciliation with God. Okay, just dream with me. What, what if the way that we gave our gifts at Christmas were all grounded in the gift of Jesus such that when we gave anything, it became a means for us to communicate the ultimate gift of reconciliation to God? I mean, what if in the time that we get to spend with family, what if we dared to go a little deeper, to even broach those hot-button topics like religion. How dare we talk about religion on a religious holiday? But what if we dared to go there and to just have open conversation, not, not saying I've got to share this canned script with you, but just begin to talk, to really listen to what's going on in their lives, to find out where they're thirsty, and to offer to them the gift that will satisfy their souls this Christmas. There's nothing more loving than that. I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful if the gifts that we gave this year would all be tools in the hands of God to bring our friends and family into relationship with him? That would be giving like Jesus gave. Now, if you, if you come on Monday uh, this week, I'd love to talk some more about that practically. How could we do that? In your situation, how, what are some ideas? Let's brainstorm together. Here's, I'll just give you a few now, though, to, to get you started. How could we do this? Yeah, that'd be wonderful, but how could we... How can we make Christmas more about sharing the gospel with others? Well, here's just a simple one. Maybe you do this already. But if you're hosting Christmas, say you get to be the ones who have people at your house, you take some time and you just sit down, you open up your Bible to Luke chapter 2. You say, everybody gather around. We're going to read the Christmas story. And before the frenzy of present opening, you stop there. And you just read the story from Luke 2. This is the birth story of Jesus. And then you, you say a short prayer. And in that prayer, you thank God both for giving himself at Christmas and for dying on the cross to save us from our sins and bring us back to him.
Okay, it's an easy, easy way to start that out. Now, maybe you do that every year. Maybe, so maybe you should switch it up, and maybe instead of reading Luke 2, you should read Luke 23, which is the crucifixion. And you say, every year Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, but this is why he came. Let's thank God for dying on the cross for our sins. Or, or if that's not something that you're doing, maybe you're not hosting, you can't do that. You know, when you give a present, or you give a card, what if you just wrote something in the card that said, I really hope you like this gift. I also hope that when you use it, you'll be reminded of the great gift of salvation that God offers through Jesus Christ. If you want to talk about that anytime, I'd be happy to do that. Just something in the card, just making the bridge, making the connection between your gift and the gift of salvation. Or when you're spending time with others, ask some open-ended questions. Dare to open it up. Say something like, what does Christmas mean to you? Or, uh, What's the best present you've ever received? And if that doesn't open a door for the gospel, you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> well, let me tell you about the best present I've ever received. Let me tell you what Christmas means to me. Now, you might think those ideas are great. You might think they're horrible. But the point is, we need ideas. We need to think through these things. If we, if we are simply giving Christmas gifts without communicating in some way or trying to communicate the greatest gift we receive, we're in some ways wasting our Christmas. We're wasting this opportunity because Christmas is really about God giving himself to us sacrificially that we might be reconciled to God. Christmas is about giving. It's not about spending more, but it is about giving more. It's about giving more like Jesus. And when Jesus gave the first Christmas present, he gave himself, he gave sacrificially, and he gave to bring us to God. And I, and I, I hope and pray that that can be an effective model for us this Christmas and every Christmas hereafter. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for the gift. I mean, we are here, we are, we are beggars, we are poor, we are nothing on our own. Um, and one of the wonderful things about Christmas is we know what it is to receive a gift this time of year. Thank you that you have given us a gift, and Lord, we receive it. We receive the gift of salvation, the gift of joy and peace and reconciliation with you. And like all good gifts, we want to share it. We want to tell people about how great this gift is we've been given, and we want to give it to them too. So God, give us opportunities this Christmas with our family, with our friends, with our coworkers, with strangers, just to share the meaning of Christmas, the truth of the gospel, and that you would do mighty work in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.